You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good evening, thank you for listening. It's Friday the 20th of August and my name's Charlotte Greenway. We've seen a fantastic week of racing at York so far, and none more so than Stradivarius's victory in today's Lonsdale Cup. I was lucky enough to get to go on Wednesday and witness Mishrif blow away his rivals and finally bag his first UK Group 1. We've got some great racing this weekend, we've got the final day of the Ebor Festival at York, and then Group 1 action over in France at Deauville. And we're going to start at York with Johnny Murter, who will be looking to land the valuable Ebor handicap for the second time in his training career with one of two runners that he's got, Sonny Boy Lisson and Moran, both of which have been incredibly well supported in the market this week. And when Nick spoke to him this morning, he asked him if he was able to split them. Hey, it, 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 it's a big race. It's been on the radar for a while. Um, I will be there. And it, I think it, it, it helps that I know what kind of horses I've ridden in the Evo before and I get a feel for the race as a jockey. And I suppose we're bringing over good horses as well, Nick. Would you say Sonny Boy Liston is the better of the two? Does he have the better chance? He's the better of the two at home. Um, you know, he's, I think he's, he's uh, £5 ahead of Moran on ratings. But I couldn't split them on work the other morning. The work was good. Both horses worked very, very well the other morning. And Mar- Sonny Boy has to give Moran £5, which could sway it his way but I couldn't split them at the moment and one of them's 13 to 2 and the other one's 14 to 1 so it would seem from that that Miran might be the slightly better value of the pair yeah well I've I, I, I've been onto the syndicate there last week and I said you know he needs everything to fall right from people thought oh he gave him a lot to do and ask up but he's a horse that needs to be held up off a strong pace hopefully we get that tomorrow with the Ebor um, he needs a bit of luck and running we we got a good jockey in Adam Adam Kirby. He's kind of cool. He won't come too soon on him. So, uh, really looking forward to it now. You know, as I said, I'm really looking forward to, to tomorrow. And is the ground is the ground more suitable for one than the other? A lot of Sunny Boy's form has come with a bit of cut. Yeah, I don't think they, no extremes. I don't think they like firm in the going, and I don't think they like heavy in the going. But anywhere in the middle there, um, but. Listen, the, the ground looked looked beautiful there for the last two days and York usually prepare it really, really well. So I don't think there'll be any excuses with the ground. In the Group 1 Prejean Romanet at Deauville on Sunday, we'll see the rematch between Nassau Stakes winner Lady Bothorpe and fifth that day, Ordaria. Breeders' Cup winner Ordaria is well beaten that day and will be looking to exact revenge in the race which she won last year. And I spoke to her trainer's son, Tom Fanshawe, to get the latest on her since Goodwood. So, Tom, has Aldaria always been a little bit special, or has she surprised you a little bit? She went off at 50-1 to 1 on debut, finished second, and then didn't stop improving at 3-4. and four. Um, Well, she's always been a filly that we regarded quite highly. Um, kind of that time of, time of year with the two-year-olds, they often go off quite a big price, but um, she's always looked to have shown quite a bit of ability at two. We possibly weren't expecting 
her to run as well as she did on on debut as our horses often prove for the run um but um she, you know ever, ever since she she came into yard she's always looked like a filly with a bit of talent she put in a bit of a rare below par performance at goodwood last time did anything come to light after that um she had quite a good hard race at ascot and that possibly took its toll on her there um, but she's come out of Goodwood in very good form and, um, you know, she put in a disappointing run before she ran in the Romane last year and, um, well, she put in a, she, she won the handicap at Newcastle before, before that, but the race before she put a disappointing run in, in the, um, at Pontefract and she bounced back quickly and, um, you know, she's a hardy mare and, and I'm, I'm sure she's the type to, to bounce back. And so the Romane this weekend on Sunday, she's proven she's pretty versatile with regards to ground. But it looks a bit deeper this time around. She's up against the likes of Lady Bothorpe and Thundering Knights. Do you think that she might even need to improve on what she did last year to win this? Uh, obviously, it's hard to kind of match up the Breeders' Cup form with with um, over here. Um, but you know that that was a, a solid run behind Tarnara in the in the pre-Lopro she had. Um, Alpine Star finished just in front of her. I think that's that's red hot form. Obviously, Lady Bothorp was very impressive in the, in the Nassau, and you you uh, you know th- there isn't many chinks chinks in her armour. She's been ultra consistent this year, but um, they're both two talented mares on their day, and um, I'm sure it would be a good race. And then after this weekend, all being well, I assume that she'll be on to the Breeders' Cup in the fillies and mares. Has that sort of been the main aim all season? Obviously, last year was was uh, such a uh, such a brilliant day. That's kind of kind of always going to be the, in the back of your mind. Um, but I think the main thing is just just you know she's a five year old mare now. You know, keeping keep making sure she's enjoying her racing. And and obviously, she put in a put in a disappointing run at Goodwood. I say our main focus at the moment is is on Sunday. If she runs if she runs well on Sunday, then we can continue to think about the. Um, the Breeders' Cup, but I think we try and concentrate on one target as opposed to getting too far ahead of ourselves and, um, you know, we'll see how she comes out of Sunday. I'm sure a lot of people saw that lovely video last year when she won the Phillies and Mares of your mum and your dad celebrating the win and it was clear how much it meant to them. How important was it that she came in at a time where the Tin Man was sort of beginning to bow out and she sort of taken over the mantle? Well, it's very important because, um, you know, you can have 50 slow ones and, and one or Daru and they, they, they keep you going. She's, she, she is, you know, she hard to put into words what she's done done for us like, out in America. That was, Dad said, probably his best day in his training career. Um, it's a very kind of rare feat to, to win the Breeders' Cup and have a filly as, as, as talented as her to, to take us out there, you know, it's a unbelievable day really and um, uh, we're very lucky to have Ordario and we're very lucky to have the support of Alison Swinburne who um, has been a great support of the yard and and, um, you know those kind of horses and those kind of owners are what helps keep you going. And before I let you go how's the Tin Man and what's the plans for his retirement? Obviously he had surgery back in July. Surgery went well um, he's been just he's been on, he was on box rest for a couple of months and he's just gradually starting to, to get back into to easy walk and he's having half an hour on the walk or twice a day um, 
he's very much looking forward to being able to go back into his pen. He's, he's, he has his own playpen and the Tin Man on it. And he's very jealous because he's, he's got his mate Fresh who, who's nicking all his grass at the moment. <laughs> but um, he's eagerly waiting to get back into his pen. And, um, you know, that'd be a, a, a nice moment as obviously it's been quite a strenuous through few months for him. So um, hopefully in the kind of next three or four weeks, he'll be... Um, um, back out in the playpen and, and enjoying his enjoying his retirement fully. I'm sure he will do. Thank you so much for your time, Tom, and best of luck with Ordario this weekend and for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. We're going to end this episode with Nick's very black and white conversation that he had earlier in the week with professional gambler Patrick Veach regarding uncompetitive racing and dwindling field sizes. This is a problem which Patrick predicted last year would happen around this point in time. And so Nick got his latest thoughts. What were the chances? I don't think they're going to be having me on Champion Mastermind. Next contestant, Patrick Beach, specialist subject, the bleeding obvious, as Basil Fawlty said. Um, Yeah, uh, I see that the chap from the Racecourse Association is sticking to his guns. He was confident back in October that his his mathematicians had it correct. uh, And he still doesn't believe there should be fewer fixtures. any comparison to members members of the uh, Flat Earth Society, I'm sure, are deeply unfair. Uh, the point is, though, surely that aren't these aren't these fixtures making money for the racecourses in post-pandemic times? They see the bottom line. They just say, "Give us more fixtures." They say to the horsemen, "If you want more prize money, you can have more prize money. You can only have more prize money if you let us have more races, add more races to the existing fixtures." Works in the short term, in the medium and long term, you're strangling the uh, enthusiasm of the punters and of the customers going racing. We need to change. We need total change. We need a season-long narrative, uh, like with Formula One, where it starts with stage one, say the Craven and Greener meeting, maybe give Doncaster a big funding incentive to have a summer festival instead of the Lincoln meeting. No whimper into the flat season. It then needs to end. Maybe it's stage 16, again, like Formula One, like these really growth sports that end with, say, Champions Weekend, no whimper out of the flat season. Before the flat season starts, uh, you need to have at least two weeks off flat racing, ideally four, so that you build the anticipation of the customer. All the most successful sports in recent times have done that by having situations where the punter has to wait and build his enthusiasm. Simply trying to squeeze as much as you can out of the punter and the racing customer today, tomorrow, is naive. You need to build their anticipation and get the most uh, interest out of them over not one day, but over five years, ten years, and the whole lifetime. And that's all there is to say on the subject, Nick. It's as simple as that. Horse, water, drink. And so that's all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Nick will be back with you on Monday morning. I hope you enjoy the rest of the action from York's Ebor meeting and then Doville. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.